0: Three. Dos. Un.
1: Recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 45. It's 2 a.m. in the morning edition.
0: Yeah, where we get to answer the question. Huh?
1: <laughs> That's no. always a question, isn't it? So... Today, we're going to offer our critique of our playtest of Kyle Simmons' game, Magicians, which is a game designed um, at least partially with the intent of teaching students how to learn the Korean language, how to learn to speak Korean. So that's cool. And we're that's how we're going to spend our first half an hour, and then the second half an hour we're going to talk about edutainment, educational games. So, um, does anyone have a, a personal message or anything that they want to open with before we get
0: into magicians?
1: Uh, not particularly.
0: I got a message. I have something to say. Well,
1: inside the server.
0: All right. The thing I wanted to say is that it was... Very entertaining, making random noises that sounded like things we already knew about.
2: What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, when we were when we were playing the game it, it was pretty humorous because we had sheets of uh, like the vowels and consonants mm-hmm. and that um, you know they are supposed to mean something when you're combining them eventually. So I had quite a bit of fun just trying to look up sounds that looked uh, you know that, that looked similar to things I already know.
1: You were basically trying to recreate English using Korean.
0: Well, just random things in general. Like, I saw a Neo Geo, and so I had (laughs) to laugh at that, because that's a gaming system. Um, Neo Geo. Yeah, things like like that. Neo Geo. (laughs) So there's something to, to, to go for you there.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about Magicians, then. Who wants to open this conversation? Well, I guess we should talk about what the game... is (laughs) okay so magicians is i don't want to say harry potter inspired but it is a game about teenagers learning how to use magic an elite private school and about teenage drama um mixed with magic with fantasy with a system that as i said before is supposed to teach the players uh, how to pronounce Korean words. So that's the game. Anyone want to open this conversation up?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, you know start this one here. Basically, I really like the concept of it, the the potential for it, and um, it was very interesting on how it um, the game was you know how the author approached um, you know both the methods of Creation and execution uh, when it came to using the language.
1: You mean using the Korean words to cast spells? Yeah. Yeah, I thought the magic system was really interesting too. I, I think what's really cool about it, and just to let the listeners know, in in the game you cast spells. Well, he has two spell casting systems, both of which involve using Korean words to describe the spell you want to cast. So you have to pronounce the Korean words correctly. And in one system, you have to form a complete sentence with them. And in the sort of introductory system, you have to put, put nouns and verbs together. And I thought that was cool, not just because I think it's an effective way to learn the Korean language, but because I think it gets at something about what magic is, you know, and, and how magic... I mean, how, how many times have you played a game of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Or, or any RPG, but I'm gonna use Dungeons and Dragons because it has the big long list of spells at the end. And you see that it involves a verbal component. And you ask yourself, well, what is the verbal component? And instead of um, getting to say the words that would cast the spell, you leaf through the back of the player's handbook and you find a spell and then you say, okay, I wanna cast Magic Missile. And the GM says, okay, well, that's going to be one of your first-level spells. It's very mundane, right? That process doesn't feel magical at all. And in fact, when you have one player who spends half an hour trying to find the spell that he (laughs) wants to cast, it's just irritating. It's not magical. But actually saying the words, you know, saying... Like, I, I transformed a podium into a dragon. And being able to say that, you know, and to say it in a language that you don't understand that is still in some way magical to you in the sense of being unknown, you know, which is where that sense of magic comes from, something that's unknown, unexplored. Taking that, that sense of the unknown, combining it with how you imagine spells are cast, you know, evocation, magic words, and combining it with this this educational feature, I think it all comes together extraordinarily well, and I think it's really cool. Uh, personally we really fumbled around with the Korean and I imagine that if you don't have a tutor I mean I understand that this game is designed to be sort of a supplement for receiving other Korean lessons the game itself isn't supposed to stand alone and teach you Korean alone at least that's what I gathered from the book it looked like it was designed for his students Uh, and so using the book kind of um, without the addition of 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 having a tutor of some kind, someone who knows Korean really well and can tell you this is this is how this is said, is kind of cumbersome. It's difficult, but that but I really like the concept here, even if I struggled a little bit personally with the execution.
2: Yeah, I uh, I do like the concept quite a bit, as far as the, like you said, the magical language aspect of it, where um, basically you're speaking in a language you don't understand. And so that kinda of gives you well it sort of makes it so that you have to be creative in casting spells. Mm. Like you have to be creative in combining words together, you know, to make some kind of some kind of spell. Like you might say like uh like throw a dog or something. And that that could be like, you know, throw a dog across the room or it could be, uh, I mean, it could be any number of things. I mean, there's just so many ways that the system can um, can inspire creativity. I guess.
1: Right.
2: But uh, just the idea that you have to come up with, in the well, in the uh, apprentice system, and come up with two words. Um, that's just really cool because I think that really, that's what you're doing in D and D, like anyway. Is stuff like is basically pulling something out of your ass on the spot.
1: Right.
2: And I think when there's the added uh, idea of language, it just makes it even better.
1: Yeah, and it really solves a dilemma, doesn't it, that you often have about spells, which is that on one hand, you want to have control, you want flexibility in spells, right, in games. You want it to be more than picking something off a list or using right. some kind of pre-constructed formula that's very, either very limited or very complex in order to generate a spell. You want it to be more than that, but you also want it to be constrained in some way. You don't want it to just be, okay, the players think of something, and then it happens. Because that's not very magical either. You know, right. you just get masturbatory, and it just turns into goofy wish-fulfillment very fast. So the interesting thing about this, and I think one of the really cool things is that you have that sense of limit, limitless creativity and you also, and in a way that isn't cumbersome, that doesn't involve, you know, a really complex formula to create in spells, you have a very, a very simple and flexible and limitless way to create a whole bunch of different spells, but you still have something that's constraining that possibility, that's keeping it under control. And the fact that the thing that keeps it under control is your own knowledge of the subject matter is really cool, because then you feel like, as you learn out of character you also learn in character yeah. as you go out of character you grow in character and that's something that makes perfect sense in this game where the characters are students you know just like the just like the players are students of the Korean language and to have advancement really feel like education and to have education really feel like advancement is something that, I will say this right now: no other game that I've played has ever done. So That's cool, Alex.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you want me to start listing off some more positive stuff there? Or whatever. All right. Uh. Well, I had a, a bit of I, I had quite a few troubles with the uh, the game. It's uh, the, when it was going on. Uh, as um. As you know, Simon will find out eventually. Is that uh, because it is limited by the knowledge? Of the player and the book doesn't give really enough examples of how the language actually works. Mm. It makes it severely difficult for anyone new to the language to actually use it at all. There are small, like, pronunciations of some of the vowels and consonants, but there's no uh, understanding of what the, they actually mean. And so it's basically sound upon sound equals sound. And you don't know what that sound is.
1: Well, he does give a list of sample words.
0: Uh yeah. That that still is just sound upon sound. There's no actual foundation. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: I guess I'm not sure exactly what you're saying here. Can you clarify what are you what do you mean by foundation? What are you looking for?
0: What I'm looking for as in an understanding of what the the symbols and the um the sound uh, like you know the like using yo Uh, re, you know, some of the uh, Korean, like, uh, sounds for a few of the words. I saw um, in one of the Dropbox videos that he sent was uh, they had two symbols that uh, meant, uh, you know, uh, were part of the uh, vowels and consonants, and then it just somehow became doctor when I had no idea what those original things meant and how it became those two things.
1: Oh, so you want almost an
0: etymology uh yeah, I actually want to know what the hell I'm reading because if I'm not aware of the situation, it's it as it shows in the play test. It was very difficult to come up with stuff,
2: hmm.
0: because you didn't know where to even go. It's like the only thing that we could, we only the only thing that we could really do is just mimic the stuff that he already had written down as possible right. things to say. Like I wanted to actually create words, and because I had no understanding of it. I and we also had no way of uh, determining if I said anything correctly. Hmm. That uh, it was pointless for me to even try.
1: Yeah, you definitely need, like I said, you definitely need supplemental materials to really play this game as written. You need either a tutor who's teaching you a lot of different Korean words, or you need a um, a textbook or some kind of program, you know, computer program or something. Or, I, he, he recommends using a program like Siri, I guess you could use Google Translate, put words in, see what comes out. You know, English to Korean. There's a bunch of things you could do, uh, which some of them would be kind of half-assed, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess to get the most out of this game, you really need a group that's focused on learning the language. Yeah. And he even says that in the text, basically. You know, it, the game is there to kind of enrich the experience of learning a language and help solidify it, that kind of thing. Right. I mean, it just seems like a lot of the, uh, for, a, for beginners, the level of difficulty might get kind of overwhelming.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, I think, especially if you don't have anyone in your group who speaks the language, you almost need someone who is fluent, or well, I don't know about need, but it would certainly help if you had someone who was fluent in co- Korean helping to lead you through the game as you played it. Right. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, that I think it's kind of funny that the game presents itself in some ways as a purely as an educational tool, because there's so much more to the game than that. You know, there's there's almost two games here. One that's designed to teach people Korean, and another that is a really fun, cool little game about wizards dealing with teenage angst and drama. And, and that game works very well in and of itself. And in fact, we were having a lot of fun playing that game for most of the session. We didn't actually end up using the, uh, the spellcasting stuff until the very end, for the most part.
0: I, I tried quite a few times because the rule book says in order to solve a confrontation you have to try and cast a spell right. and all the confrontations we did but you know because of my previous problems I w- I failed every single one of them.
1: One, one more thing that I thought was cool and uh, before we move on to maybe some of the things that could be improved about the game was the um, the drama point system where you basically get your point, your the currency you need to cast spells from having humiliating social situations, which if anyone knows anything about the games that I play and the games that I've designed, you know, that's right up my alley. And I think that's just such a great thing, given the high school environment and everything to say that their power, or at least their need for power, their will to power is in some way coming from humiliation, from social frustration, from that all that teenage drama. I think that's cool. I think it is likely to generate interesting circumstances in play because people will be looking for ways to humiliate their character um, and looking for ways for their character to get into trouble instead of purely playing it safe. And I think I don't know, I just think that's awesome. Any other final, like, major positive points to make about the game? Not really. Alex seems a little fatigued. <laughs> uh, Rudy, you have anything?
2: Well, oh, I like the setting and the setting creation stuff, uh, probably most of all, because that seems to just set up what you need for play pretty well. And... Um, I just like the idea of teenage wizards going through puberty and fucking, you know, casting spells and being embarrassed in front of a class and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like the subject matter a lot, and uh, it definitely was pretty fun to, to run through it.
1: Yeah, I love the subject matter, too, and I think it the manual that he has here, the book that he has here, does a good job of setting that subject matter up. As you said, mentioned setting creation. There's a whole list of different questions that really look at this thing from every possible angle. You know, from the philosophical angle of, of uh, you know, what does having magic mean? You know, what's how is that going to change the way people perceive the world? To like the mundane angle of, well, what are these kids going to do after they graduate from high school with a magic degree? (laughs) Right. And all of, the, all of the little nagging questions you have when you're reading Harry Potter or watching a Harry Potter movie or, or just all of that stuff, it gets addressed in the setting creation and in character creation in a really cool way. Speaking of character creation, the fact that he opens it up by, or that one of the major things that happens in character creation is creating your relationships with other players. And th- that's important because that generates play. That generates interesting play. And it's also very, it's very similar to the system that Steve Mathers used in Ingeniero, which I also thought was fucking fantastic. Um, and the fact that he has you create a NPC to be in conflict with your main character and then hand it off to another player right. is great because it immediately creates not only have you just created some connections with other player characters, but you've just handed—you literally handed another player a card to harass you. You know, you've handed them the harassment card, and they can play it at any time. And there's so—it creates so much potential. So all of that was great. But while I'm talking about character creation, on the cheat sheet and in the way he describes it in play. Um, he has you come up with your relationships with character, other characters as your first, the first step of character creation. And I can see how that is in some ways the most important step, but I don't think it should be the first step. Uh, step four is write three words down that describe your character. That should be step number one, because you need to know not only what your character is, but you need to know at least a little bit about everyone else's character before you can really get a sense of what your relationship with them is going to be like, how do you know, how would I know that I want to maybe bully Rudy's character if I don't know whether Rudy's character is, you know, a little nerdy guy or a big jock or how do I know if my character should have a crush on Rudy's character if I don't know what kind of character he's playing. So I think if you can get those three words, if you can get a quick concept down first as the first step, then it's going to be a lot easier to take care of the social stuff that comes after that. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So, want to jump in and talk about this game? Want to talk about things that maybe didn't work so well? or?
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, basically, the like I said before, I really I liked the concept But I really did not like the execution, and there are several things of the negative kind that I wanted to get across because it really affected the way I wanted to play. Mm. I wanted to play in, you know, having fun in the moment and, uh, you know, experiencing a little bit of the language. But the way the rule system is set up right now is it's expecting more advanced um, uh, Korean being spoken. And uh, not simplistic kind because like I've played games before where they've used magic as you know like a, using another language somewhat in order to um, you know cast your spells where it's spoken casting you know evocation as you said before. And a lot of the times they used basic symbols instead of ba- instead of having to say actual phrases. And those were fun as heck because they were very easy to, to interpret without having to actually completely know the language mm. and uh like i i was given examples before we started recording and uh, one of them was instead of just saying like you know dog smack or um we would say you would say like fire water and earth and then you would make like a like a hot mud pile to, to you know to boil like like a, like a pitch to boil the enemies and you know, so you would, use, you would use basic core words instead of having to try and use advanced uh, phrases. And I did, not, I did not get that.
1: So instead of opening up the whole vocabulary, focus on something like the word box he has, but make it more uh, like archetypal terms, is that what you're saying? And have things be created out of those archetypal terms, out of those like elemental terms?
0: Yeah, that way it would be easier for people who wanted to just get like a like a foot, like you know, dip their toes in the language because the way it is set right now, it's mainly meant for people who have like like a few weeks of education behind this. Yeah. And and so the barrier to entry is pretty strong.
1: That's true. Maybe add a third even lower tier. Like right now he has apprentice and master. Maybe if he made the current apprentice thing like intermediate, and and made and created an additional apprentice mode that is just those few archetypal words, like maybe 20 archetypal words that you use to cast basic spells, and then you you could transition, and then that could be absolute entry level, and then you could have immediate intermediate, which is. The noun-verb combinations that he has at apprentice level now, and then master, which is the really complete sentences.
0: Yeah, because that also will reflect your spellcasting styles as well. Because when you use basic words like you know, like the prime nature of like you know elements and stuff like that, your spellcasting will be not fluid; would not be precise. It'll be like explosions, and because of that. It'll make it to where you won't be able. You know, there'll be a lot of collateral damage in how you say it. So the simplistic, more simplistic form will enable that kind of style. And there'll be, uh, you know, the people who are not spoken. You know, they're not precise in their speaking. There, you'll 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 have a lot more creative scenes, which will help them, you know, further along in the narrative.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I'd pretty much echo what Alex said about the uh, the language system. Um, kind of being a little difficult to jump into. Um, I guess if you've got, like, in, like a teacher or the app, like Siri, mm. or something to help you, you know, to, to help you give you feedback, um, it'd be a little bit easier to, you know, to kind of, like you said, dip your toes into it. But I think that uh, another thing that I didn't really... Oh, they kind of threw me a little bit was um, the way the scenes were structured. Um, yes. I, I guess there is supposed really,
1: to be. before you say that, can I just jump in real quick with something about the language thing? Yep. Just really fast. I just wanted to mention that actually, okay, since you were supposed to resolve conflicts with spells, and since spells can succeed or fail. Uh, there really is no clear rubric or or rule set out in the manual for determining whether or not something was pronounced well enough. It seems to almost um, rest on there being someone there, like a tutor, someone who is proficient and can say, yes, that's good. That's how it's supposed to sound. That's close enough. That's my expectation. You know, you've matched my expectations. Without that... Uh, the way we were basically say, doing it was, well, you tried good enough, but without so either there there needs to be some clearer rule in place for to help people determine whether or not the spells should go off as planned.
2: Okay,
1: yeah, that rooty structure.
2: Um, yeah, but I found the scenes a little bit difficult to to get into, you know, to start off really because it was kind of unclear you know with the gm mechanic where it passes around it was kind of unclear like who should be doing most of the framing in the scenes i guess
1: yeah
2: but um i mean it could have just been like unclear in the manual maybe yeah but it seems like uh like either like he should either say um he should give some advice for how to like prep the game maybe so that you don't kinda get get into a situation where you're stumbling around trying to find you know trying to find words or trying to find direction for the scenes. But yeah, other than that I would uh I just echo what Alex said basically about the uh about the language. Yeah. Um it's a great idea, uh to to have a game where you know it's also a learning tool like that, but it might be a little bit, a little bit better if, like you said, there was some kind of more basic uh, form of the Korean that you could use, you know, or like uh, you said, Hank, like more ar- like archetypal type stuff, you know, like stuff that kind of uh, reflects people's expectations of magic and that kind of thing, like, uh, you know, like from other games. Right. Because like, uh, like, when I think of verbal components, I think of, well, I think of like, uh, well, not verbal components so much, but when I think of components as spells, I think of like the elements and that kind of deal. And I think that'd be, it'd be really great to have a chart, you know, that has some basic elements that you can just kind of stick together in order to form some really simple spells so that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to go looking through the chart. For pronunciation, and well you don't have to go looking for, through it as much, um, because that did take quite a bit of the game, quite a bit of time during the game. Actually, you know, scrolling through and you know cross-referencing the charts and that kind of stuff, it took a little, took a little while to do that. So, I think if we did have a simpler system, it might help people who are kind of on the fence about learning the language to jump into it more.
1: Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. One thing, and I also agree with what you said before about the scene structure section, and I think it is, at least in part a function of the way the manual is written, the scene structure section is very murky. It's very hard. It doesn't really give a very direct, well-laid-out sense of how exactly play progresses. As I understand it, there's a rotating GM, but there are also rotating player scenes.
0: Right.
1: And what the G? Okay, first of all, the distinction between a GM-led scene and a player-led scene, uh, it would be nice if that was clarified a little bit. He gives some examples there and he says that for example the GM scene might be a scene that's sort of a cutaway from the main action sort of, uh, and doesn't necessarily involve the main character but he doesn't really say a GM scene should look like this, a player scene should look like that. Yeah. There's also the question of NPCs and aside from the um, conflict NPCs who are fixed you know how they move around, You do does the GM usually take most of the superfluous or, or minor NPCs over when it's his turn to be when it, when he's GMing or she's GMing or is it, or, or does the player who started playing them, keep playing them or does it just jump around, you know, with people, you know, swapping the NPCs back and forth. And on top of that, there's a lot of general murkiness in that section, I guess you could say there's a, uh, a lot there that could be clarified. Um, also, how much control a player has over the scene when it's a player-led scene as opposed to GM scene. There and just generally more of a more of a definition approach to that section. Like this is what this is. This is how it works. As opposed, right now it's a lot of examples and there's a lot of. Um, and there's a, it's like a list of possibilities right now. But before I want to see the possibilities, I want to know concretely what these things are. That would be nice. And one more thing. This isn't a complaint, actually, so much as it is a suggestion. He offers several different categories for drama point, which I thought was pretty fascinating. You know, as opposed to just saying, okay, they got humiliated, they got a drama point. You can... you categorize them like self-worth, if it's your self-worth that was challenged by the situation. You know, if you were ashamed or criticized, disrespected. Freedom, control, uh, love, connection, justice, truth, safety, trust. Depending on the exact situation that spawned the drama point, you'd put the point into each of these different categories. So if you know, you had a crush on someone and they rejected you, you'd put one under love slash connection. And, and that was, it's very interesting to see things categorized like that because it helps to flesh out the game. But what I was wondering is, is there a way to tie that into the magic system? Could hmm. the type of points that you, drama points you have affect the kinds of spells you can cast, or at least influence the spells that you cast eventually? I mean, why have these categories there if they're not going to have some kind of mechanical importance and since drama points are used to cast spells it makes sense to me that maybe the type of drama point would influence the type of spell that resulted so that's an idea just to give that more importance because as we played it you could have just marked the drama points down you know without categorizing them at all and it would have essentially been the same game.
0: Really, for me, I didn't care about the drama point system
2: mm.
0: because I knew like, you know, from seeing it, it was kind of obvious. The point is you do things that are slightly embarrassing around the school and that helps empower you to have, uh, you know, scenes in the game to, uh, you know, to reflect that tension. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, the feedback of it going back and forth worked well. It's just one of those things that I I really Don't care about the the drama Of of the high school You know (laughs) scene Because like you know when I was in high school I really didn't participate In those scenes And so I really didn't I I really wasn't affected by it that much
2: Mm.
0: So from personal Experience I don't I never saw the potential For what most people use when it comes to Tension in a story of high school I never really saw that
2: Ah, I see. Yeah, I can kinda of follow you there a little bit. I don't know, I guess I guess to play in that style kind of takes a little bit of getting used to if you were just kinda of one of those people in high school who didn't give a fuck and just <laughs> just kinda of stayed out of everybody's way and you know. But I mean I, I can understand where it's coming from because that kinda of exaggerated um you know, view of it is part of this genre really.
1: Yeah definitely final thoughts on magicians
2: alex
0: i really want to see the um the language portion of the system the magic itself i would like to see it more fleshed out instead of it being a um a simple you know recollection of of uh, the language that way it, it, there's a there's more um there's an easier uh, setup for the game because if it's the if the goal of the game is to be uh, more educational than entertaining or vice versa, you know, you know, pick a side so that way it's uh you can attract the best audience for it because right now if I wanted to try the language, I would not play this game because there's already about it's, it felt like it, it felt like it's already at level two Korean. Before oh, I, I can even get to level one or level zero. Right. <laughs> I would like more varieties of, you know, level difficulty. So that way I can, um, will actually be interested in trying this game. Because right now, uh, there's just so, there's too much of a barrier. And the format and the layout, because I know it's a beta, you know, it's a play test. So the layout's not going to be good. And je- but the thing is, though, right now, for other people to play this game... It is very, very confusing. And it it definitely shows when trying to play the game because there's a lot of random things going on that somehow make it up, which in practice is kind of like language. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of random noise that just accidentally makes something coherent.
2: Okay. Rudy? Um, I just want to say... Um, thank you for making a system that doesn't involve random chance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Um, um, yeah, and I think the language system is just really interesting in general. And uh, even if I weren't, you know, interested in learning the language, I'd still probably get into that because the idea of like player skill affecting, you know, the game in some way is it's kinda of difficult to it's difficult to pull off like all the time because you can easily go too far in one direction and have it be like, you know like holy shit, how am I supposed to do this? Or, you know, how how am I supposed to um to represent my character when I don't necessarily have the skills that I think my character would have. Mm. But I think in this case it was perfect. Yeah. Because the way it's set up your you know, your kids in school and you're learning so you're you know you're expected to fumble a little bit through it
1: right you're learning as you're learning there's that perfect synergy between what's going on out of character and what's going on in in character right which is something that has to be there if you're going to have a skill-based resolution system right and that's here and it's great and my final thought is that i just right now while is speaking received an email from kyle simmons uh, I had a couple of playtest sessions this week, and I've since updated and tweaked a couple of things. I'm really happy with these changes, actually. Um, I just threw everything into one Dropbox folder. Here's the link. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
1: So, um, Kyle, I want to apologize. We're not going to be able to play the updated version of your game as we just played the original version um, just <laughs> minutes ago. So, um, but yeah, we did have a lot of fun with the original version and hopefully our feedback is still, still useful to you. All of that said, let's move on to our topical discussion, edutainment, educational gaming. Who wants to, um, weigh in first on this one?
2: Let me just say that generally I'm not for education in games. (laughs) Um, why is that? I think uh I think it's easy to get carried away with that and lose the fun in mm. the game and I think a game should primarily be fun first but um and I think I mean it's difficult to uh to make an educational game and this game was one exception it's difficult to make one where the learning component doesn't feel like work basically yes so, I mean, I'm generally not in favor of it, but in this case, it's an exception for this game. Um, as far as uh, that, I don't know what you guys think.
0: Alex? All right, I'll go ahead and... No, I'm just laughing because it's like... Yeah, I... No. What do you guys think? The reversal of the question. So that way people <laughs> answer it. Um no, uh, basically, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of educational games that are that are better than, you know, than average games based on... It's all, it's all based on the approach and it's all based on what style of game you're trying to make because, like, you know, the game that we just played was an educational game and it was trying to use uh, foreign languages in order, you know, to help improve that. So that style of game... Will appeal to a certain audience, but um, it'll be a much more f- narrower uh, audience. Meanwhile, games like Scrabble, and um, yeah, I'm thinking of games like that, basically, or uh, Mastermind, things like that, uh, that helps with different levels of education and have a broader appeal. And, you know, people love the crap out of those kind of games.
1: Yeah. I think that. I'm thinking of video games right now, honestly. Because I haven't seen the educational thing be done very much in role-playing games. And aside from magicians, I've never seen it done well in role-playing games. And usually... In role-playing games, education... I don't know. There's a sense of condescension there. Because it's usually like... As opposed to learn a skill through the game, it's often let's learn about cultures, or let me educate you about culture. You know, mm-hmm. and there's something there's always an air of um, not pretension exactly, but, but condescension in that. Like, let me show you how to live. Let me show you what you haven't seen you know let me let me show you something right. about the world that i know and you don't and right. not just that not just in a sense of discovery but a sense of like a sense of um real a real attempt also there's usually like an opinion component to it if you know what i mean like i feel this way about this and this is why you should also feel this way and and a and a like right thinking component and things like the nasty shit like that you know this is the right way to look at this this is the right way to think about this that c- comes with those type of games and that t- that type of approach and that is really off putting and magicians had absolutely none of that by the way which was very refreshing but anyway so when I think of good experiences with excuse me damn you Yahoo with educational games I think of games like SimCity. I think of games like Mario Paint that I loved as a kid just absolutely loved them didn't even think of them even Argon Trail didn't didn't think of it as a um, as an educational game I thought of it as a game as a fun game and I think the thing that those games had that all of this shit didn't have there were two things really there was a sense of openness and exploration on one hand, and a sense of agency and control on the other. These were self-guided experiences, and they were also experiences that were full of options and full of possibilities. So you controlled your own education, and there was that sense of, of wonder and possibility that always kept you pushing forward. Like, well, what will happen if I do this in SimCity. You know, what will happen if I put these in this industrial zone right next to this residential zone and put a park right here? And, and you get to experiment and you get to see what happened. And you're making the choices. You're deciding what goes where. The computer's not holding your hand. The game isn't telling you do this, do this, do this, and you'll learn. It's letting you experiment and see what happens. And I think that's an important component. And with a game like Mario Paint, I mean, you just spend hours screwing around with it because there were so many different possibilities. And once again, it was that sense of experimenting with the game. Like, oh, I can make a video, you know, I can make stills and then watch them animate. And, and, not, and it's just really that sense of it being self-directed. The game has to create the sensation that a lot of different things could possibly happen and you should try to discover them. And also what happens is at least partially under your control. And if it's lacking that, if it is in any way dragging you by the hand or by the nose through a bunch of predetermined outcomes and saying and adding, you know, limited like interactivity or bells or whistles or some kind of goofy reward mechanic to cut to keep you going. Then that isn't fulfilling, and it's not really, and no one, and you know, right again, like Rudy said, that feels like work. SimCity never felt like work, <laughs> even though in some ways it really was. <laughs> it felt yeah. like it. I don't know, Rudy. What were you, some of your experiences with educational games, bad or good, or? Well,
2: I guess Oregon Trail, that can even be considered an <laughs> educational game that i mean that one we used to uh we used to play in grade school and stuff
0: no i just like you guys are uh, hold on i'm sorry Rudy, but i just like how you guys are talking about education and then you guys are purposely saying oregon wrong oh about i'm oregon. sorry you guys are going <laughs> <Sorry>. Oregon. <laughs> that,
1: that's how we say it here on the east coast yeah we we fuck up the name of your state man i'm sorry yeah <laughs>
0: I'm not too concerned. It was just like, what? are, are they sure about that? <laughs> you guys said it was such bravado. I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, I mean, games like that I think are generally good. Um, I guess the type of edutainment game I'm not too fond of is one like, uh, like Hank was talking about. It tries to teach like culture or, enrichment, exactly, yeah, cultural appreciation or that that kind of deal, um, because that just feels really all well condescending, like you said, and uh, I don't know, it's kind of like reminds me of that scene in um, in the new Planet of the Apes where they go in there and the monkeys yes. have they have the TV on <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's for enrichment. It's like, yeah, that. That's basically what some of these games remind me of. Playing um, TV for the monkeys. Basically that, treating you like a monkey and, uh, you know, treating you like you need to be told something, you know, or that there is like a mandate to say this thing, this great, wonderful thing, you know, that this game is going to teach you about. And I generally just don't like games like that. Right.
1: Like, this is an experience you have to
2: have to be complete. Right, right. There's
1: a very nasty class component to it that I think people are unwilling to acknowledge.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I'm willing to, you know, I'm not going to acknowledge it because all the games I've played that were a part of the edutainment section didn't have any of that stuff you guys were complaining about.
1: What are some edutainment games you've played and enjoyed or hated or...
0: Carmen San Diego. Oh
1: yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> that did not hold your hand one bit whatsoever in terms of telling you what was right and what was wrong. It gave you some facts and you get to interpret it however you want. Yeah.
1: Was this the old Apple two E version? Uh yeah. Oh my god, yes.
0: <laughs> but you know, th- things like that. Um like Math Blaster when I when I tried that one out, that one was a, was a was a barrel of fun. And, um, you know, it's probably really boring in today's standard, like, you know, like now that I'm a little older about it, but, um, you know, things like that. And, uh, like some of the physical games, like I was telling you about before, you know, like with Scrabble, uh, there was another game called Anachronism and that one was about, uh, you get to play as like, you know, military generals and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, each card had a little information about like the weapon that was be- that you used, or a little history about the uh, the person, uh, you know, the person of influence, like you know, the year that they were around, like what they actually did, and so the education was in the background. And if you paid attention, you had yourself a good time, and the game itself was actually fun. Uh, and that 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 truly is the most important part about uh, edutainment is the fun needs to be there first. And if you right. look closer, then there's actual education.
1: Mm. So what was fun about those games? What was
0: fun about a game like Math Blaster? Uh, you got to shoot things, and you had to use numbers in order to uh, make the answer work. So like you would have to, you, you would say, you would see something like seven plus blank equals thirteen, and if you touch it, you shot something. So it was a you know call response uh, style of ed- of educating, and um, basically. If you got it wrong, you weren't immediately penalized, but it would just say like you know you know try again you missed you know it would just say miss you know blah 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 until you until you hit the right number so it wasn't um, it wasn't the penalty wasn't severe so it uh, it didn't uh, it didn't give you a negative response to the point where you wanted to stop and that is definitely encouraging when it comes to trying to learn something is uh, make sure your game doesn't like uh, have a penalty that's Mm. severe and that's also what magicians did as well when you fail to cast a spell it did they he it's written in the book that all because you fail it doesn't mean that it's like it just didn't happen it just means something different happened than what you were expecting Right,
1: right it shouldn't make the game less fun he says pretty explicitly you know it shouldn't be oh you know you didn't succeed you're fucked it should be an
0: interesting complication happens Yes. So that's the most important thing. And I, like I said, I had just never experienced that style of uh, not fun. You guys experienced with those edu- came- edutainment games.
1: Mm. So, uh, Rudy, have you ever considered making an educational game? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, you've made a lot of games about education. I mean mentors is a game about education. It's a very cynical anti education game. But it's a game about someone getting an education. Yeah. Student zombie is a game about education. Oh, sure. Well, it's a game about schools anyway, and them being shot up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, no, I've never really considered making any edutainment-type games, because I don't think I could really make it fun, and uh, I don't really have anything, any knowledge to impart, really, that I think uh, is lacking in the world, or whatever.
0: to, I want to throw some knowledge at you, and see how you catch it. All right. I think a lot of the problems that people are facing with edutainment, in terms of the the negative aspect of it you know the connotation that a lot of people get with it is um how they interpret that meaning because there are a lot of games that are educational right. but are not seen as such because they develop skills that can be applied right. to everything else right. like in the most brutal and destructive example of this is games like counter strike video for like first person shooters they teach hand-eye coordination they teach um you know timing um things of that nature and um like throwing a grenade when you throw a grenade you have to arc the grenade in a a special way to get the right amount of footage so it helps with depth perception and things like that that's very educational sir teamwork teamwork especially there you go now What I'm thinking Will is interpreting as education in terms of the entertainment aspect is um, roll the dice, you get a three, all right, move three spaces across the board, pick up a card, and read some knowledge. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh. Yeah, I'm talking about games. I guess the distinction I would make are I'm talking about games that describe themselves as educational. I'm talking about. which is the only real way to label it, right? It's self-labeling. Someone saying this is an educational game because, of course, what, what is education except, like, learning shit through experience and everything you do offers the possibility for that. But games that specifically choose to call themselves educational games, you know, or, or, or make it their primary goal, to improve someone, increase someone's level of knowledge about something, or improve someone's capacity for doing something, as opposed to making the primary goal, you know, have fun. Period, or something like that.
0: All right. Well, that that's very important to understand because um, that is a marketing term to placate to uh, smart, stupid people who don't understand that the game is very simplistic to the point where it's not fun or educational. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a marketing term, so I don't know. That's I a mean, good point. we talked for so long when the answer is so simple.
1: Yeah. Well, we want to talk about edutainment, the term. The first time I saw that, I think, was in an ad in Nintendo Power Magazine about, um, like, Nintendo's new line of edutainment titles. <laughs> So yeah, it is a marketing term. I mean, absolutely,
0: yeah. It's a marketing term. Yeah, because all the examples that you, the examples that you've been giving have been mainly, you know, the pretentious, the condescending, the the styles of games that are employed as marketing terms, and
2: the mm-hmm. ones that
0: I've been trying to give have been actual fun games that you actually do learn something in the process, and not like learning of physical skills, like actual knowledge, because. Yeah. When I learned about Robert the Bruce, I didn't I didn't hear about that in Braveheart. I learned that in anachronism. Yeah. yeah. You know, things like that. And um I I think that the main problem with edutainment in general mm. is because it's a marketing term, a lot of people don't give it the proper dues it should be it should be given. Mm. And I think, Rudy, I think you truly can make a game like that. Where it is educational and entertaining at the same time, I know um, Simon is definitely trying to make one with magicians, and it yeah. is very close to sure. being at that at that scale. So yeah, that's pretty much all. I, that's all, really all I have to say is that you know it's been done. It's it works. It's proven. And the majority of those games that give that title are there to try and sell to people who don't know any better.
1: Yeah, well, because they won't be playing them, they'll be giving them their kids it's- to play.
0: It's like, it's like I'm a college professor and I don't know what these new kids think with their, you know, with their, uh, you know, with their hip jeans and, you know, wacky styles. So uh, let me try and uh, speak to them, to their level, and give them this edutainment game.
1: Right, right, exactly. And that's some of the condescension I was talking about, that the people who created these games would not necessarily play them themselves. And the people who buy the games are not buying them to play them. Which I think is something that where a game like Magicians is totally different. You know, it's designed by someone who is thinking about the things he really enjoys, things he really loves, and he's thinking, I want to play this game with my students and I'm gonna get just as much enjoyment out of them out of it as they are. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not shovelware under the it's not shovelware masquerading as enlightenment you know and, and that i think is the, the problem with a lot of edutainment stuff
0: yep so uh final thoughts because i think we pretty much said everything that needs to be said and then some
2: i think so uh rudy final thought my final thought um i just like to say that i fucking hate math blaster I hated that game when I was a kid. (laughs) And, uh... Why? I I don't know. I just didn't... It was just... It just got really repetitive and boring. Uh,
0: Well, no shit. You weren't only supposed to play it for, like, maybe three minutes.
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's pretty much... Yeah. So, fuck uh, Math Blaster. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically my final thought. Alex? Final thoughts?
0: Oh, um... Um... Math Blaster rocks, and so does Word Muncher. And, um...
2: <laughs> Fuck you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoa!
1: <laughs> Rudy has some real negative uh, associations with these games. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into some touchy subject matter.
0: And keep on rocking in the free world. Okay. Alright. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that's all I got I think it's plausible, and uh, you know, uh, g- give it a shot in-, in making it because you're going to do better than anyone else who's ever made an educational game. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: yeah. yeah. You know what? I don't have much else to say about it. Yeah. I, I I don't have anything else to say about educational games. So what I will say is that Jason Morningstar just launched. The Kickstarter for Durant, his new game, it looks like hot shit, and you should at least check out the Kickstarter. I know you yeah. might say, haven't we thrown enough money at Jason Morningstar? And I say, no, throw some more at him, because this game looks really cool. I mean, it. I heard Penal Colony and Structured Freeform, and I was like, yes.
0: Oh yeah, well, I, I certainly agree with you on the shit portion. And without further <laughs> ado... Is your microphone microphone... is now coming out. No. (laughs) Five. Four.
2: Alan have my babies.
0: Two. One.